Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Mark, I know, I know, I know, I know when it's self indulgent of me to talk about something that nobody really cares about, unfortunately. Uh, this is Oilers Now. Welcome back, everybody. <laughs> Bob Stoffer with you. Hope you're having a rock solid Tuesday. Uh, we will tell you that Mark Spector is our headliner today. Stoffer Inspector for our friends at Horse Racing Alberta, the 7,000 men and women employed in the Alberta horse racing industry, and our headliner every day for Touchback Safety. Your safety is their goal. Discover your safety training solutions at touchbacksafety.com. Guests on the show, with the possible exception of the infinitely overpaid Mark Spector, uh, receive gift certificates. That's not true. I've given spec uh, Roos Chris gift certificates. Roos Chris, it's the greatest steak you've ever had. Follow Sizzle to Alberta's own Roos Chris Steakhouse, 9990 uh, Jasper Avenue. Tell Brendan, Maggie, and Taylor that Oilers now sent you. Mark, how was your uh, how was your break? I know we gave you an extra day, so yes, sir. Uh, Thank you very much. It was very well, restful. I I did not uh, leave the country. You got bumped on Friday for Ken Holland, so yeah. don't take it personally. That's fine. Yeah. Happy to. Happy yeah. to. Yeah. As long as I still get paid, Bob, that's really all I care about. Well, you about. are incredibly grossly overpaid yeah. for uh, what you actually... I like when people say that about me. I yeah. wish they would say it more often. Yeah. <laughs> that's a compliment. Hey, Speck, <laughs> now that you've had a chance, have you? did you see the actual documentary? Yes. What would you think? Uh, I was surprised, uh, you know, when no one had any idea of the level of peril, apparently, that, that Connor McDavid was in. And, you know, the the one, I guess the part that struck me the most was how they would, they were like five or eight, ten or however many MRIs in, and they were still looking at the MRI going, hmm, maybe we should do surgery. That was the part that kind of got me. So you could have literally have wasted the summer, and the doctor could have you know, theoretically said on September or August 20th, nope, didn't work. Now we're going under the knife. So that I didn't know any of that. Nobody R- knew any of right. that. That was, you know, that was interesting for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I mentioned this before. I mean, we had Don Metz on Friday. And he said that they really started to conceptualize everything. I think he said early September even. Uh, and then they said, all right, let's get going here. And they were relying upon Mark Lindsay's uh, video work for much of what was... Uh, that occur- was some pretty professional video work by a doctor. Yeah? Yeah. Well, and again, he was sending that video back to Ken Holland at that stage. And Ken had some interesting comments about the fact that during uh, the interview process, he asked about what's where it's at with McDavid and maybe didn't get the complete story, which is frankly understandable given the fact that he was working for another organization at that time. Now, the moment that he commits to the deal, away you go here, and a couple days later he's in conversations and realized, all right, here we go. Um, So I thought the music was excellent. I loved how I opened with his high... I'm, I'm just more. Who listen to the music. <laughs> well, I'm looking. I'm, I'm I was ass- watching the documentary. I, I, I'm assessing this thing. Even from, the music. I'm an auteur, man. Like I'm sitting here evaluating <laughs> this thing as a whole here. It's, okay. You know, uh, I, I I like the the music that they deployed to help uh, build things up a bit. I love the opening video of all the terrific plays he made before the injury. 
And then as they closed the show out, sort of the impact that he's had coming back from the injury this year. And I thought the storytelling was pretty good. And Mark, I must say, they did a real good job of making really smart people uh, sound, you know, they, they did it in a way that there was no arrogance from anybody. That was every, you know, like people, people sounded intelligent and caring and sensitive to his challenges. So, and, and frankly, it's not easy, as you know this, because he doesn't say a lot. It's not always easy, and I'm sure they, I think John Shannon said yesterday on the show, he interviewed Connor 17 or 18 times, not on a game day, because, uh, you know, John said, we got to ease up on game days on Connor. Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, it was, all in all, I thought it was pretty well put together. Yeah, that was a good documentary, Bob. I enjoyed it. There we go. All right. Let's move on. What does Zach Cassian say down there after practice today? Uh, Zach Cassian. You know what? I'll give Zach credit. He He's, you know, this thing, it's media-driven, <laughs> this Battle of Alberta. It's media-driven. He's saying it's media-driven. No, no, no. That's not what he's saying. Oh. Well, a little bit, frankly. But, I mean, let's face it. They haven't played a game in how many days, Bob, since their last game? They haven't played for a while, Mark. Two weeks or something. Uh, that whole incident with Kachuk was a light year ago in hockey Date, okay, you know, in hockey world, sure. Uh, but he came out and he 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 engaged in the topic uh, today, where a lot of Oilers, a lot of players would have gone, "Oh man, not another day of this stuff." So I give Zach credit for you know feeding the funnel a little bit for us media guys, frankly. And uh, he was good. He said, you know, he said this is good for the game. He says uh, hockey needs more of this kind of rivalry and build-up, not less. He says I'm happy to be part of something that's different from uh, you know yes. 82 games a year of Edmonton and Minnesota where there's none of that. He said I got nothing to prove. He says I got my licks it. He says you know what? He hit me a couple times real hard. He says I took it in my own hands. He said I thought I got enough shots in. I'm good. I don't have. I'm not carrying forward a huge grudge here. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. Yeah, I thought it was awesome. I got so my shots in, Spec. Basically, what he said. He said I felt like I got enough shots in to you know to satisfy me. So, you know what? Uh, we miss, as a media guy, Bob, that's been doing this for a while, we do miss the circus a little bit. We miss how, in the old days, the general managers were always hanging around the team, and there was a bunch of guys who were willing to give you salacious quotes, and a lot of that's passed us by. So so the fact that we're getting, a, you know, a 2020 version of the 1985 Battle of Alberta, uh, I think it's a little bit of fun for us, and I know that it's a lot of fun for the listener. Yeah, absolutely. I think the fans are going to be stoked. Now, you wrote, uh, I, I, you know what? I, you know, just what did you say about the documentary? You said it was a good documentary. Yeah, it's a good documentary. Yeah, you wrote a good book about the Battle of Alberta. It was yep. a good book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should have had somebody else go. Hey, he wrote up a good book, but I should. I should. I should. Cassian should read that book. He's not an Alberta guy. Uh, you know, it's funny. I was talking to Sam Gagne. He's one of the older guys in the room. Not not the oldest, but one of the older guys, veteran guys. So, what year were you born? He goes, oh, uh, 19. What did he say? 1989. I think. Yeah. Hey, uh, Bob. Uh, John Shannon. Just getting this text on our Ashley Fine Flores text line. Uh, John Shannon said 17 total interviews, not 17 total interviews with the Oilers. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, for that, um, we were talking about Battle of Alberta moments, and yes. uh, you wrote sort of uh, the definitive book. I'm going to get to a text here from Haji Bob. Very tough to call. Favorite Battle of Alberta moment was McIntyre against Rytus Ivanins uh, for, for two reasons. Uh, number one, I was at the game and witnessed 
Coach Rennie tap Steve on the shoulder and point to Ivanins. Okay. Mm, yeah, I'm not so sure about that. Okay. Again, I'm reading the text as is. In most of the early 2000s, it felt like Calgary only orders talent-wise and physicality-wise. Drafting Hall and Everlay's performance in that game and the aforementioned fight, it seemed to signal a change in the orders standing relative to the Flames. And number two, it was the uh, first game I took my oldest son to. So there you go. Uh, and Ren says, Bob, best battle of Alberta moment. The whole seven-game round series in 1991. Yeah. Last two cups, champs meet and beat the hell out of each other. I remember grapes between the periods of one game talking about how great the hockey was. Even uh, Gary Curry is hitting guys, he said. <laughs> well, could be. Theo Fleury said that was the toughest series he'd ever played he said no one had a chance to go beyond much beyond after that like the orders didn't make it to the, who beat that your minnesota yeah and beat them was it a sweep five yeah five uh he says look whoever comes out of that series they're not they weren't going anywhere so that's the toughest series of hockey he ever played theo Fleury played with some big boys in his day i had uh that year i was at the u and i think you had just wrapped up and uh i remember that yeah, Yari Curry was not with the Edmonton Oilers in 1991. I think he was referring to an earlier series. I, th- I didn't think he was with the Edmonton that year. Anyways, I I'd met a bunch of guys uh, working in the reforestation industry that were from, like, McGill. And they were calling me after each game was over at, like, 2 o'clock in the morning, right? Like, these games. And they're like, this is the greatest hockey we've ever yeah, seen. Well, like, it was, it was roller ball on ice, yeah, man. It was, tough, it, tough, it tough. was last man standing. Uh, Dave Brown, uh, and I worked with Darren Detition in 1989 and 1990 on Sports Night. And Dave Brown, remember, starting the lawnmower on Jim Kite. Jim Kite, yeah. Oh, yeah, they were, it was hellaciously tough, tough, mean hockey for sure. It was awesome. Uh, and, like, lots of fights and all that, but just hard. And back then, you could use your stick, you know, you remember in, in a way what, that you can't anymore. Which who was it fine. that, uh, Messier, that knocked, did he get Rick Natras and knocked him out cold with that elbow? Was that Yeah, Messier? was that in that series? Yeah. yeah, that, yeah. Was a, that was a messy elbow on Natras that would have been a, you know, a 10-game suspension today. Yeah. <laughs> like, he got all of them. Well, how many times, what do you think? Do you think Mark would have had uh, over-under on this? Yeah, Mark Mo- wouldn't have played many. Mark's games played... In his career, I'm not sure it ever would have started with a seven if right. he had the player. I, I think realistically he situation. would have had at least seven suspensions, ten games or longer today. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah, like when he suckered Jamie McCowan. That he had was, it coming to him. That was, he tried taking his knee out. That's fair, but he well could have ended up in jail yeah. that day. He only broke his cheekbone. The elbow he put on, was it Eves? Oh, broken jaw. That was coming around the net. Well, yeah. was that a hit that that's the old Rafi Torres special that you know, Messi threw it back then. It was just fine. The one he threw at Perry Berzan was clean. And that was a, just a cruel, cruel, predatory. But, but it was clean. Awesome hit. <laughs> it was clean. It wasn't was clean. Hey, you know, clean is relative, Bob. When, when Rafi Torres lit up uh, Mihalik in that series in 06, that was clean then. Yes. We don't like that hit anymore. Back then, oh, it, my God, the, the roof came off the building. The entire series turned around. Edmonton won, and Rafi Torres was a okay, hero. I, I was in game two in San Jose, and they were never Whatever. the same. Yeah, they, were, they, were never, the same. they were never the same after. You throw that hit today, and you aren't the same because the guy that throws a hit misses the next three games. Remember when he got Hosa? He reverse hit yeah, Hosa when he was with Dave Tippett in Phoenix, and yeah. he reverse hit Hosa in 20-something. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, rever- and reverse hit. And that, Rafi Torres was a victim of the rule. Like, we all loved the way he played when he started, and we hated the way he played in the end. And I don't think his game changed at all, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> it was the so, same game. <laughs> so we're having some fun today. Uh, Speck again wrote the definitive book on the Battle of Alberta. We'll give you credit. You wrote the definitive. What's it called? It's still out there. The Battle of Alberta. Wow, what an original name. <laughs> I wanted to give it another name, but the publishing house said, no, no, no. Well, what was it? I wanted to call it Don't Go for Coffee. Because we'll tell that story when we come back. And what it's now, Stoffer Inspector for the Horses and Horse Racing Alberta. Hi, this is Jajar Kara from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chad. Uh, we'll get to Jajar in a second here uh, and the role he could potentially place. Tyler has texted us on our Ashley Fine Floors text line at 1248. The 1991 first-round series, all of it, most entertaining playoff series in Oilers history that did not involve the team getting the Stanley Cup at the end. Yep. You could make that argument. Like oh, oh, for sure. And Essa Tikkanen uh, got paid as a result of that. Let's not forget, Eric Curry left the team at the end of the 89-90 season. I think he played over in Italy the next year and then resurfaced with the L.A. Kings. This is Oilers Now. It's a Tuesday. Mark Spector's appearance is brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta and the 7,000 men and women employed in the Alberta horse racing industry. Do you want to mention to you that you can join us in March to Mark Spector's favorite U.S. city. Actually, it's my favorite U.S. city too. Chicago to see the Oilers play the Blackhawks. This package includes great lower bowl game tickets, a welcome reception with yours truly with special guests, plus tours of Wrigley and Soldier Fields for the Oilers now Chicago roadie. Call New West Travel at 780-432-7446 or go online at newwesttravel.com. I say Chicago's my favorite U.S. city with the exception of roughly May 17th each year because I go to Disneyland every year. Yes. And Hudson loves going to Disneyland and uh, so it's tough because they've got those uh, simulated uh, Star Wars rides and stuff like that. Uh, Star Tours. You ever been on one of those? Uh, I'm not sure about that. No. i got to ease up on the booze the night before. Otherwise, I'm in trouble. Oh. Because right? if you stay at a Disney hotel. Bob, you're traveling with your family. You're not supposed to get plastered. Mark, you have to get plastered <laughs> when you're traveling with your family. <laughs> Just kidding. You know, it's a week off. It's the only week I take off between, yep. you know, between August the 20th and uh, basically July 15th. So I try to make that, that count, and, you know, usually have a couple drinks each night. For sure. All right. Uh, you were going to name the book. Uh, that was called a tease that we did again. What were you going to – don't go for coffee? Don't go for coffee. So tell a story. Well, when uh, Stu Grimson and Dave Brown fought on a Sunday night at Northlands Coliseum, I believe it was January 7th, 1990, um, it was perceived that uh, Stu Grimson had beat Dave Brown in that fight. Yeah. Now, Stu Grimson tells the story about how he laid him out, and Dave Brown tells the story about how he had a puck over his eye a couple weeks before, and it was almost healed, and it got opened up by a punch, a, a grazing blow. No one really is telling, you know what I mean? They don't agree on who won that fight, but let's say Brown won it, or lost it. So, they played again in uh, Calgary on the Tuesday, right? and of course on the Monday, just like today, the media came down to the rink. They all want to talk to Dave Brown. Well, it was Tuesday morning on the, uh, the morning skate. They go by the dressing room, don't they? And uh, they go by the room. But we should mention the media room is at ice level in Calgary. Yep. And so it's, and Brownie had come by mm-hmm. into the media room and poked his head in and said, Boys, don't go for coffee. Don't co- go for coffee. So that was part of the hype prior to that fight. And uh, Brown had said, You know, Brown didn't have much to say. 
Brown, in fact, according to his teammates, was in basically a trance for two days. He didn't talk to them. He didn't talk to the media, except for that quick clip. Uh, he didn't talk to anybody. He was very focused on uh, what he would do on Tuesday night. But here's what we didn't know, Bob. I learned when writing the book. Did you know that Dwayne Mandrusiak had a lot to do with that? Dwayne Mandrusiak is a terrific guy. He's basically run the Edmonton Eskimos for the last 40 years, hasn't he? The equipment man, yep. yeah. He's run the Eskimos. That's, that, let's face it. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it wasn't Len Rhodes. as uh, yeah. a guy brought in from Montreal that didn't really understand football in this market. Uh, it, you know what? Yep. It, it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't... Uh, Danny Machoja. It was Dwayne Mandrusiak. <laughs> Dwayne, we all know you've been running the show for years. Like, there's certain guys that are around teams that yep. outlast all the managers that get brought in with those teams. Right. And they, Dwayne's that guy. And Dwayne's that guy. So, Dave Brown loses that fight. Dave Brown's a lefty. And Stu Grimson had grabbed his left hand and tied it up and, and hit him with some rights and wins that fight in Edmonton. So, on the Monday, Barry Stafford, the old equipment man in Edmonton, was saying, man, you know, we've got to find a way to stop that from happening again. So we called in Dwayne Mandrusiak, who said, well, you know what? Uh, our offensive linemen, when we don't want the, defi- the D linemen to be able to grab them and throw them around, he says, we do two things. We tighten up their jersey sleeves as much as we can. We sew them so tight that they, they put the jersey on with the shoulder pads already inside. They s- sneak in, like, into this tightly knit uniform. And then we cover it with Vaseline. So they basically did that to Brown's left hand. They sewed up his uniform so that the left sleeve was ungrabbable, and then they greased it all up. So when he went out to fight Grimson, and if you go to YouTube and watch that fight, you'll see Stu Grimson trying to reach that left Trying hand. to grab that left hand like he had two nights before, and damn, he can't grab it anymore, and it's pumping. And then it started really pumping, and... And, I mean, that was a, just a devastating fight. Bob. I just remember the crowd because it was that game was on ITV. Sure. Tuesday I, night in Calgary. And I was working at ITV at that time with Darren Detition on mm-hmm. Sports Night uh, during the 89-90 year. And because uh, later in February of that year, they had the brawl in L.A. as well. Yeah. Uh, where at the end of the game, Craig Simpson and Essa Tickenen were <laughs> two on one in Marty Basorley. <laughs> and Marty deserved it. He deserved uh, probably. it. Probably. Yeah, probably. But it was awesome. Just yeah. the, the sound of the crowd is. Well, they watched their guy and he really, got- really take a beating. And you know, like it was devastating. He broke his orbital. He broke his cheekbone. Right. If broke- you're an Oiler fan, you're stoked. But sure. But for the guy himself, yeah. tough, tough deal. But you know how tough Stu Grimson is. Came right? back from it. Well, not only that, Stu Grimson went and spent his five minutes in the box. Yeah. Right. And uh, he said to me, he said, as I sat down, you know, there's lots of adrenaline. And he says, I'm sitting there, and now the adrenaline's wearing off, and the pain's starting to come. And he says, by the time three minutes are up, he says, I'm like, whoa, there's something wrong with my face here. But, you know, most players go to the dressing room after an injury like that. He hung in there, skated out after five minutes, went to the bench, said to the trainer, eh, better go to the room and check this out. And he didn't play again for till next season. The big man from Brock, Steve McIntyre, when he fought Eric Goddard, the because fir- Mac always did better in the second fights, but the first time he fought Goddard in Pittsburgh, oh, two big guys, right? And Goddard, Goddard had the, those skinnier arms, and sometimes those tall guys with skinny arms. Todd Ewan, before he got too heavy, he, I mean, that's how you hurt Bob Probert, not Probert out with those long skinny arms. And Goddard <laughs> got a shot in, and he broke the orbital bone on McIntyre, and the Oilers didn't yeah. realize the severity of the injury. Yeah, and McIntyre gets back on the ice after the fight. And he hit Chris Letang, and Letang went about 10 feet in the air. So off the bench, 
becomes Goddard, Goddard again and goes and McIntyre Sheldon Surrey to his credit picked uh, took the fight no he put the stick between the legs of Goddard and said you're not fighting him look at the side of his face and McIntyre goes what do you mean and Goddard goes Goddard's like yeah we're not fighting yeah. and what had happened is the blood had quite coagulated out of his one nostril and they're sitting there like yeah no one's fighting here so no. then we're on the plane mark you think the team doctor might have noticed that at some well, point okay but at that time that was <laughs> yeah, yeah. the 2008 2009 season the orders didn't fly a team doctor on every plane and so you're relying on the home team's doctor in that stage and max <laughs> and max got his adrenaline going so he's not he's yep, he, he yep, wants to yep. get back out there and make amends he was completely prepared to fight in fact Goddard never gave McIntyre another fight. Yeah. Because that's how tough McIntyre was. Yeah, you don't want to give that guy another shot. Right. And so. I just remember being on the plane, and it was the wives' trip. The, the wives were going to meet all the players in New York City, and this is McIntyre's first shot in the NHL. And right. as the air pressure, oh. right, um, I look back on the plane, and McIntyre, people need to understand this. So when you're on a team plane, the the general managers and the coaches sit at the front of the plane. The trainers and therapists sit in the next section. The media weasels, we all kind of sit in the middle by the food, which is rather ironic. And then the players sit in the, the back half of the plane. The rookies sit at the front of that part, and McIntyre was a rookie. and I, I, So he's basically the closest. I'm the closest guy to him. You can see as the air pressure took off, you can see his face explode and get bigger and bigger. <laughs> on the, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not bad. And you know what? He had no problem with it because he was a tough SOB. A tough just, just the Grim Reaper had a lengthy – it took him a while to get back in the league, but he had a lengthy NHL he career did. mark. Give him credit. He came back, and he really was the same player. He fought a lot. And, and you know what? He had a good career broadcasting, and he, in fact, he just wrote a book. Yeah, he's a, and he's a good guy. Uh oh. Had a short-lived uh, CIS career of the Manitoba Bison. Yeah, they got, kicked him out, as I recall. Yes, uh, he got upset over something. We do digress. <laughs> we do digress. Uh, so there you have it. So this should be fun. I mean, this should be fun. And, and the best part of this is they're meaningful games, Bob. Like, we think back to all the... Hey, we're best. not done talking about the best Battle of Alberta moments. We'll get to more yeah. of those texts coming up as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but the, I'm happy. Like, I'm looking forward to these games because they're important games. I would love nothing important more games. than some combination of... Preferably in this order, uh, Edmonton, Vancouver, Calgary, yep. or Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary, whatever, to, to claim the top three spots in the Pacific Division. That would be awesome for the Western Canadian teams. Edmonton and Calgary playing the first round would be uh, something. You know, they didn't have Twitter and social media in the old days when yeah. they had these battles of Alberta. 1991, there was no Twitter. Right, so it's a lot more fun now. There's a lot more stuff going on. The fans are engaging with each other a lot more. Uh, They're helping charities out. Oh, it's it's awesome. sure, it's, it's great stuff charitable. going on. Yeah. It's all fun, man. Let's go. All right, uh, we'll talk uh, more about some fine moments, including uh, well, we briefly mentioned Darren Detition starting the lawnmower. Jim Kite and Dave Brown. Dave Brown was an assassin. He did that to a few guys. He really destroyed a lot of guys. He wrecked a lot of guys back in the day. Uh, more battle. Why not? You know, there's some good goals scored in the Battle of Alberta too. By the way, we had a guy that was we in the talk battle. about those. We had a we had a guy in the battle that was in the Battle of Alberta that fought Mark Messier twice in the same game that was in the house today at Rogers Place. Gary Roberts. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. More with Mark Spector when we return in Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.